HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. With our growing season just around the corner, we're sowing seeds of knowledge and empathy on this week's episode of Meet and Three through four unique stories. I'm always shocked at how aggressive people are with their language. I'll have something like Japanese knockweed and they'll say, you know, these are terrible, they're they're foreigners, they're invasive, and you know, but they're also, you know, they're really healthy if you eat them. We're surrounded by seeds that have already adapted to live with us and they're actually already kind of living in the future because cities are hotter and they're more polluted and they're more fragmented and these are the plants that can deal with that. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you by Mezcal Amaras. Mezcal Amaras is a company built through love, love for the sun, the land, and the people who work it. And most of all, love for Mexico and its sacred plant, the agave. Now strap yourselves in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. I am Lou Bank. And I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that attempts to teach gringo bartenders about agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. Chava, what you got for me today? The other day I was in a bar and someone asked for some agave spirits and she took the glass to the ceiling, made like some sort of weird cross, uh, threw it a little bit to the ground, sipped some words and just sipped it as she was doing like some sort of evangelical stuff. And when you told your girlfriend to stop doing that, then what happened? Well, she hit me on the face. That's why my nose looks the way it does. But, uh, <laughs> oh. but no, like, you know, we talk a lot about agave spirits being this cultural, cultural heritage. And uh, and we even some people even get to the extent of saying that in some communities, asking for agave spirits is like asking for the dance of the thunder or asking for a very ritual specific thing. So I've always wondered: is there a way in which agave spirits could be consumed in this kind of context? I mean, I'm thinking about some of the 
you know, like legal drugs like ayahuasca and other stuff that they say that you should only consume them, consume them in a ritualistic way oh. and not just like take them easily. So like, do you think there's some parallelism with the Gavi spirits that way? Like you need like a special shaman to lead you the way or like to be in contact with your spirits. I don't know. Well, you know, I think it's an excellent question, young Chava. And, I, you know, if if, you, if you're if you asking me, uh, do you need somebody to guide you through taking <laughs> these specific drugs? Uh, my understanding of some of those drugs is you should probably have somebody who is experienced with them. Now, putting that aside and just talking about uh, agave spirits, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm of two minds of that. You know, the, the first mind is I don't like the idea of gatekeepers preventing people from enjoying this thing how they want to enjoy it. And then the other piece of me is thinking, you know, I, I really do love the cultural heritage around these spirits uh, in so many of these communities. And while I don't think it's a necessity that people learn them, I, I think it's important that those things continue to live and so, mate, well, there's definitely a value to people learning them. On the other hand, I just don't see these communities that have held on to these uh, these these pieces of cultural heritage um, for so many centuries. I don't see them disappearing just because I'm not doing it. I guess that's three minds. Is that three minds? Yes, but okay. Let me rephrase this a little bit. Let's say you know you took the agave spirits to the U.S. And I think it even could be like hypocritical to try to replicate the way they drink it in the community there, right? So you drink it like how gringos drink it. But if you go to the town- when you, I'm sorry, when you say hypocritical of, of drinking it that way, like is it hypocritical or is it sort of putting on, um, is, is it, is it a, a characterization, a cartoon cartoonization of what they're doing? Yeah, that's what I meant, I guess. Okay. It's okay. just like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you're, you're making a cartoon out of, of, of a ritual. But when you go to the towns, have you ever been put in the position where you were about to enjoy your agave spirit the way you usually did, and then suddenly the community was like, whoa, 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 you're doing it wrongly? Have you ever been in that position? You know, I I I'm I have not. I you know, you're saying that like maybe you have. I've actually been <laughs> in the opposite situation, right? Like I I learned um early on from Mescaleros that you sip it and you take your time and and then I was at this uh, Tres Reyes celebration with a bunch of them and one of them like we were dancing, right? It was so much fun. I was I had a giant quiote that looked like Charlie Brown's giant Christmas tree and I was having a good time and this he came over to me and he poured me in a little shot glass. He poured me some of some of his fine mezcal and he gives it to me and I start sipping it and he's looking at me like, "Come on, I got to go to the next guy." And I said, "What? But I'm supposed to sip." And he and he took it and he just shot it and then he said, "That's what you do." Oh, so I guess the ritual in this case is <laughs> ship it unless I tell you to shoot it and we're having a good time. Exactly. And, and, and that exactly happened to me. They gave me a big hikara and there was only one hikara and like 10 other people in the circle. And they said like, okay, don't you like dale un trago, like sip it once. And I just did a little sip and they were like, no, 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 no. A trago, one sip. Every down in one. Yes. Oh. So everybody was just you know, they will give you the gourd and they'll like sip it down, like just shoot it down from the gourd, which oh, was yeah. a very big one, actually. But uh, so like 
for me, for me, that's weird because people will think that only happens like in university parties, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's interesting. You know, so, so you just you just sent me down a whole different uh, path in my head where one of my favorite things to do pre-pandemic was to show up at any party I was invited to with, uh, in one hand, a one-gallon jug of agave spirits, you know, labeled uh, with my carpenter tape labels, and the other hand, a hikara the size of my head, the hikara being the gourd-like thing that people drink out of. Um, and I would go around and just, sh- like, I'd fill it up, and just the action of filling that thing, right? Like, that's the smell and the splashing, and everyone gets excited. <laughs> and then going from person to person and serving it up, you know, almost uh, 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 like like you're in church, right? Where they, both hands, you've got both hands, and you take it to your mouth, and you take your sip, and then it goes to the next person. Like, oh, the only thing I'm missing is that little wafer to put on the tongue. Um, and... You know, I, I've never thought of it as a cartoonization, but now that you know, like you're saying it, I, like, I'm definitely trying to get their attention with with theater, if you will. <laughs> definitely trying to do that, though. I've I don't think I've ever suggested that this is how they do it in rural Mexico. <laughs> I've even gotten to the point where I was just with a big jog of agave spirits. I had a cup and a spoon, and I was just giving spoons of mezcal to people. It's like just fitting them with a spoon. <laughs> I like that. A spoon, a sp- spoon's just a little hickory, right? That's what that's what I thought. It's like good half an ounce. I was not gonna kill anybody. Everybody was very happy. They liked the theater about it. Nobody's thinking about yeah. microbes back then. So yeah, right, right. But you know what? What I will say is, no, um, oh, no. There's another whole ritual thing that I do. But I, again, I don't ever express it as this is how they do it. But you know, when I'm teaching people. In my bastard class, when I'm <laughs> teaching people um, how to uh, drink these spirits, I always start off with, here's a way to approach it, right? Like I have a very specific approach that I suggest they try and then do whatever you want afterwards, but just give this a try because, you know, I find that these spirits can be so much more complex than anything my friends are used to drinking up here in the USA. Mm. So if, if, you know, I, I force them to smell it first in the copita and then smell it on their hands, they get out of the copita, right? So you're, you're, you're losing some of that alcohol and you're just getting those roasted sugars from the agave. Mm-hmm. And, and I, th- I, I think there's something about that act of slowing down and smelling in different ways that forces people to pay more attention. So it's, it's literally mm. like I'm doing one thing. But I've got this whole second objective in mind, right? Yeah, 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 I get it. Then I tell them, you know, don't even, like, you're going to take three sips, but the first sip isn't even really a sip. You just drop your tongue into that copita, into that that destilado, that that spirit, and then rub it on the roof of your mouth, almost like you're kissing yourself uh, to clear your palate. But, but very intentionally, I'm also, like, when I say kissing yourself, I kind of want them to fall in love with the spirit, and I'm suggesting with that first kiss mm-hmm. that that's, the path I've got him on, right? Such a romantic. I have never seen this face of you, Lou. Well, you should see me wearing <laughs> Connie's Wapil, whatever it's called. Wapil, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then I, I tell them to, to just take half a sip, leave it on the tongue for the count of five. Some of that alcohol is going to start evaporating in the mouth, so you're sort of consuming it through your sinuses. But, but also just leaving it on your tongue introduces your palate to all of this complexity 
that you're going to find in these spirits that you won't find in spirits that are fermented and distilled from sugar sources that are six months old as opposed to eight years old. Mm -hmm. No, I understand. Yeah, there's so much more information in these guys. Yeah. Sort of the conclusion that I'm getting to this is there's not such way of as being disrespectful to mezcal. Well, because I've seen all these bottles that say like drink it with respect or honor the drink. Do you think there's a way of disrespecting agave spirits? I, you know, I I know that there are people who think so, and I and a lot of those people are my friends. Um, I, you know, I on the other hand, I certainly would have said yes if you'd asked me three years ago. I, I don't think so now. I I think I think the way to disrespect it is uh, you steal it instead of paying for it. Like that, that to me is, is is the only way you could really be disrespectful of it. If you want to. Oh God, one of, one of my good friends, one of your good friends, Crazy Horse, right? Yeah, yeah. Was telling me, yeah, Jason uh, Parr was telling me that um, he was serving at Cindy's in Chicago one night and there was, I want to say it was a Vago Madriquiche that was like a $150 bottle. So I don't know, people were paying $25 or $30 for an ounce and uh, and some hot shot with a lot of money came in and wanted uh, wanted to make a uh, a mezcal and soda with that. And he didn't want to serve it to him, but he knew he had to because that was his job. And he certainly felt that that was being disrespectful. Um, but, you know, but I'll also say that when I first started drinking this, I found it too hard to drink. I would put an ice cube in it. Oof. I, you know, I was it, like when I was when I would attend Ron Cooper's class and he would walk me through it. Mm. I could take it and I could taste it and I enjoyed it and I loved it. But as soon as I went off on my own and I had that bottle because I wasn't drinking out of his tiny little copitas that sort of forced me <laughs> to take small sips. Like I was just drinking the way I would normally drink, which is large gulps, which you can't do unless you put an ice cube in it. Yeah. It just took me a while to figure out small sips. Okay. So let, let's say conclusion is you, you cannot respect mezcal unless you steal it. So please, guys, don't steal your mezcal. Pay for it. And I think that's a wrap. <laughs> okay. And then we'll talk about everything being a cross <laughs> instead of a Star of David in the next one. Okay. Let's do that. <laughs> Adios. Okay. How's the fraud, though? Hang on, road trippers. We're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. This episode of Agave Road Trip has been brought to you by our friends at Mezcal Amaras. Mezcal Bear Day by Mezcal Amaras breaks with the status quo by offering a playful, honest, and intelligent vision. It's born wild with a cause without one fixed label, but many displaying its true values and what it stands for. Hashtag no labels. Mezcal Verde amplifies the voice of multidisciplinary collaborators in different stages of their artistic journey, giving them a white canvas to express their cause in art. Verde's DNA maintains the belief that creativity is the catalyst for change, going beyond just one identity and perspective. It is a game changer, inviting new consumers into the mezcal category through a disruptive proposal. It is a high-quality mezcal that respects Amar holistic cycle from seed to sip, crafted with the same artisanal methods using eight-year-old agave espadine. With an approachable soft smoke, sweet caramel, and grassy notes, Mezcal Verde is perfect for cocktails on every occasion. Sip it, mix it, share it, kiss it. Find out more information at their website at mezcalamaras.com. 
This is Chava and Lou's Chatfest, chatting you up for three solid minutes about a subject of which you do not care. One little iota. We're just here to entertain you for three solid minutes about something that has nothing to do with agave, agave spirits, or rural Mexico. Welcome to Chava and Lou's Chatfest. Chava, what are we doing today? I mean, you made such an impressive introduction and I think this goes perfectly with what we're going to talk about, which is sales strategies with Lubank. How sales sell- strategies with Lubank, the Lubank method of sales. <laughs> and why is this important? Because you are the guy selling the podcast to people. and That's not true. Everybody is selling the podcast to people. Roy well, is selling true. the podcast to people. Like, yeah. you know, like this, is, this is part of the Lubank strategy of sales. Correct. Everybody's okay. a salesman. <laughs> okay, I get Everybody's a salesman. But you're the only one scoring sales. Uh, okay, so I'm the only one. Well, you're saying I'm the only one scoring sales. And what you mean by that is I am the person who is responsible for selling the ad space. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, that's, what but, I'm, that's what I meant. Yeah. But, the, you know, the truth is, like, I'm the one responsible for it. But And you're saying that I'm the only one who's scoring sales. But- you know that's wrong because we just made our first sale where I didn't have to reach out at all. They reached out to us. And why do they reach out to us? Because they like the podcast. And why do they like the podcast? Because Roy does an excellent uh, excellent job of making us sound good. You do an excellent job of sounding like you actually like me. People enjoy listening to two people who enjoy each other's company. So you are like you guys are already selling. You're already selling. You don't even know it. And you're successful. So so this is the part of your method. A, making the other part in the team that are useless feel useful. And yeah, then- no, 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 no. Dude, like, I mean, look, I, I, you know, I think we just did a, a, a chat fest about how it's really important to be flexible and accommodating right now. And that's true. But, but I mean this sincerely, that everybody... Whether they know it or not, everybody is a salesperson. And I don't mean that everybody is a salesperson for this podcast. I mean, everybody sells themselves. <laughs> they, should. One, they should. They, they should. should. Everybody they should, should be a salesperson. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah. You know, every you are constantly selling whether you realize it or not. Like getting a woman to go on a date with you, you're selling yourself. Oh, well, you're no, the that, that, that's the ultimate. No, that's the ultimate sales pitch. Like getting a woman or a guy to go out with you, that's the ultimate sales pitch. Okay, Java, bed, you, like, Java one day... You're going to propose to somebody and then you'll realize, (laughs) oh, the date wasn't actually the ultimate sales pitch. Turns out there's a bigger sale. You know, I I have thoughts about that. We'll talk about marriage some other time. But okay. But, you know, but I, you know, I I think it's important that, that when it's important when I talk about how I view sales, that I talk about them in that context, that I think really everybody's a salesperson. And, and if, uh, if, you, if you're responsible for sales at a company, that it's important uh, for you to train everybody at that company on sales, whether or not they realize or recognize that they're doing sales, whether or not they call it sales, right? Mm. Okay, but I, I do have a question though. Like okay. you've been doing this for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like professionally, not just dating. Professionally, you've been- yeah, yeah, yeah. My my entire life. I think I started selling when I was twelve years old. Oh, uh, literally. Oh, actually, actually, my best business, my best margin in my lifetime has was when I was twelve years old. But anyway, we'll get to that later. My question is, what is what has been your wildest strategy? What has been your wildest approach to sales? Where you're like, wow, I can't believe this happened. Like, where it was so difficult to get it, and and you you made it, you scored. 
Well, look, you know, I, uh, God, they, like you just actually changed what you asked for, so that like there's all these different stories <laughs> oh, bouncing Lord. around in my head. I, let me, let me, let me focus it from this angle. Is you know, what are the, th- what are the strategies that I've utilized that I think are the most amusing to tell in a chat? <laughs> okay, yeah, How about yeah, that? yeah, that's what I wanted. Yeah, okay. I don't care about that. I don't okay. want that. I don't care about the effective stuff. I just want the entertaining stuff. <laughs> okay, perfect. So you know. I, I, the vast majority of us, and by us I mean human beings, the vast majority of us make our decisions, and by decisions I'm including like like purchasing is a decision, mm-hmm. right? But, and, but it's more than just purchasing. But we make our decisions um, using emotional input more than actual data. Yeah, right. People people buy houses because they love the house, um, not because of the value of the house and what it's going to be worth and blah, blah, blah. Like, like very few people do the numbers. Well, you, you, haven't, you, you haven't talked to my mother, but sure. I, you know what? I'd love to have that conversation. I'm just guessing it'd be really hard, um, g- given her English and my Spanish. But um, Correct. Anyway. But, you know, so I, I recognize this. So one of the obstacles, when I first moved to Chicago, when I first moved to Chicago, it was to work for this nonprofit that used drama, dance, and music to teach struggling readers how to read. And the program had to be sold to Chicago public schools. So my job was to set up meetings with the principals or the vice principals, whoever was responsible for purchasing um, education programs for the school. My job was to set up meetings with them. And when you go to a school, like you can't just pick up a phone and call these people. You can't do it. Because it's a school and they're busy with kids or dealing, like they just don't have time for a phone call. Um, So you have to go to the school and you're making a cold call in person. And then it's Chicago, which means people carry guns. And so to get into the school, like you you had to have a strategy to get into the school. You hit the buzzer, like, where's this? And then you have to tell them something. You have to say words. And those words have to include some magic that gets you into the school, right? So it's important that you have the, this is, I think, like you really, you seem to really enjoy when I do these introductions to our podcasts. Um, yeah, yeah. I like. I, I think I, I actually feel extremely intimidated every time you do that <laughs> because I'm like, wow. Now we have to match that. Now the content has to be as good as the introduction. Well, so so this is literally <laughs> like this is how I learned to do it. Was I had to give a 30 second <laughs> response to who is this? I had to give a 30 second response to that that would magically open the door that was locked, right? And they couldn't see me, so it had to just be words. You know, so so there's that, and and you have to have your your pitch as to what you do, which is why I said we're we're a nonprofit that helps struggling readers uh, that uses drama, dance, and music to teach struggling readers how to read. And you know, we get forty seven point eight percent greater fluency gains than blah blah blah. And they, oh, okay, well come on in, and uh, and then you go in and you're faced with these clerks, and the clerk it's literally a secretary, right? But a secretary who does a a, a lot of other clerical work, hence clerk. This this is the person <laughs> who you face, and I. I swear to God, they must have at Chicago Public Schools, they must have a training program for them. And part of the training is here are the 17 different ways that you can build a wall around the principal so that people who come to have a meeting with the principal are deflated and they leave without ever getting an appointment. Right? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, okay. I, I want to meet one of them. I probably want to hire one of them. Anyway, yeah. so <laughs> they're tough. They are so tough. So I learned after a few of my first uh, visits to the schools, I learned that they would all say the same thing, which is you know I'm 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 here to see Doctor White. Do you have an appointment? I don't, but I I work for this nonprofit. Blah 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 blah. I said, well, yeah, I'm sorry, but we can't get you in without an appointment. Oh, okay. Well, can I get an appointment? Sure. We'll just call us back and, you know, we'll set up an appointment. And then you call and they never answer the phone. You leave a voicemail and it never gets returned, right? So that was the strategy. So so at like, like my fourth visit, I went in again with the theory that everybody everybody <laughs> does things for emotional reasons. So I went to back to the like the next school. I go to the school and I get, I get into the door because I, I, I talk really fast and I get in the door and I get up to the clerk and she says to me, do you have an appointment? And I say, I don't, but I have chocolate. Can I trade <laughs> chocolate for an appointment? And she said, um, uh, uh, and then I put the chocolate in front of her. She said, okay. Well, uh, do you have a one sheet that you can leave? This was another thing that they were trained to ask because you're supposed to have like a one sheet that that explains the program and shows how it's going to improve the school. And so you'd like, you're like okay, chocolate, and then there's the one sheet. And, uh, and uh, okay, well, we'll get back to you. So clearly that she wanted the chocolate, right? So, so, but I still didn't get the appointment. So then the next time I went back, I went to this little, uh, this little bakery um, here in Chicago and I had to make sugar cookies and they made these beautiful sugar cookies. They had this, this artist on staff who would do icing in these beautiful shapes. And I had her make these sugar cookies that were the shape of like a large postcard. And and the icing on the sugar cookie was a bar graph that showed, okay, schools in this program make 47.8% greater fluency gain. So there's one bar. And then the other one is the school that didn't make that many gains. Like right? so so it's it's a cookie that shows that our program is effective, but it's a cookie. Wow. So wow. so then like wow. I, I don't have an appointment, <laughs> oh but I my. have chocolate. Would you like some chocolate? Uh, sure. Do you have do you have a one sheet? <laughs> and then I say, I sure do. And I pull it out and I put it down in front of the clerk, and the clerk looks at the cookie and then looks at me and looks at the cookie and looks at me and says, Is that a cookie? And I say, It is. <laughs> it is a delicious sugar cookie. Would you like one? And she says, Yes. And then I give her a cookie, and now she has cookie and she has chocolate. And then, uh, and then I get my appointment. Literally, literally, it had a success rate of something like ninety-two percent. But you didn't give coffee. Like I thought there was going to be a third stage where it's like chocolate cookie coffee. No, no, that's good. I should have brought coffee. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> or, 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 or like milk at least. Okay, no, okay. Well, so, but so you know, so all of that that was great, and I got all the like, all the meetings. But then. The, the way that Chicago public schools is set up, um, it's it's a lot of schools. It's like 500 some wait, schools. Wait, wait, look, 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 look. Yeah, but I think we need to make this in two stages because I think this chat fest has gone forever. So I, uh, I, I think uh, there's going to be a part two. I, let, me really, let me just do it fast because it's, like, it's, okay, it's, okay, okay. it's not a good standalone. There was a time when I had to meet with somebody who could, instead of just selling me the program in one school, could sell me in 18 schools because she oversaw the principals in all those schools. And so so um, I showed up and I, and I kept showing up and I kept leaving messages and she didn't return them. So finally I just went to this office and you couldn't even see the clerk because the clerk was behind this wall that had a bunch of ferns on top of it. You just sit in this waiting area hoping somebody would come and get 
get you at some point. And and so I went in there with a coworker and and I had purchased something like I don't know a hundred dollars worth of fried chicken, and we just sat down <laughs> in that area eating fried chicken at 11 o'clock and you hear like on the other side of the wall, you couldn't see, but you'd hear all of the clerks saying, do you, do you have to try? I, I smell fried chicken. Where's the freaking chicken? And so finally this head pops over the ferns and says, are you eating fried chicken? I said, yeah. Why are you eating fried chicken here? So, well, I was hoping to see Dr. White and I understand that she's very, very busy. I get that. But, you know, everybody has like five minutes open up at some point in their day. And I thought I want to be here during those five minutes I don't want to miss it, and I don't want to miss it because I am hungry, so I have enough chicken to last me like a day or two. Do you like fried chicken? I do. Is that Harold's fried chicken? Why, it is Harold's fried chicken. And then, uh, you know, I gave her some fried chicken, and I had an appointment for the next week. Wow. I have so much to learn, Lou. Uh, you know, we mock master classes with passion. <laughs> well, but <I've, laughs> Yes, we do. Yes, we but, do. But, but, I, but, but I think sales-wise, maybe, Lou. Can, can you? Can I do the poster for that? Absolutely, master master class with Lou Bank. Not a master chef with Lou Bank, but master class with Lou Bank. Grand master class on selling with Lou Bank. I like that. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the end of the episode. That's the uh, that's the ad. If you guys want to buy tickets, it's gonna be hundred twenty five dollars. I'll, I'll I'll put my personal account, Lou. I'll give you the money later. If, if that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. Okay, Chava. <laughs> I'll catch up with you next chat. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.